Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. If you're focusing on the things that put you into that space mentally, physically, emotionally, then you're going to see those results come a lot better. Your life and work will probably feel a lot more like it's flowing well, and you're going to enjoy it a lot more as well. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed, and I'm here with Alex Kingman. Alex is joining us from the San Francisco Bay Area. Our company is KGI Capital. They are real estate syndicators who invest in distressed and heavy value add multifamily properties in the Southeast and Midwest. Currently, they have 80 residential units in five properties. Alex, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you're currently focused on? Hi. So I am currently focused on distressed properties. We focus on these properties in the Midwest and Southeast. And we started about five years ago. We started out actually with a house hack and grew from there. We started in our local area. So that was in Hollister, California. And once we did the house hack, we realized how much we enjoyed real estate investing, but we wanted to go elsewhere where we could get better cash flow and returns and just have fewer headaches when you look at California, it's not necessarily the most investor friendly. So we decided to move out of state and we started to do one to four unit distressed properties out there. And then we moved into the multifamily space after that. So now that's where we are. And we're very focused on the same type of properties being distressed, but just with larger numbers. Gotcha. So 80 doors in five properties is an average of 16 units per property. How does that actually break down? It's a good question. <laughs> it doesn't break down quite like that. We have a couple of single family properties. We have a fourplex, a duplex, and then we have our most recent acquisition, which is the 72 unit property. So most of our units are in that multifamily property. Gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. 
I want to talk about that 72 unit, of course, but you started with two single families, a duplex and a fourplex remote distressed properties. Where are they? We have properties in Jacksonville, Florida and Northern Indiana. So South Bend, Indiana, where Notre Dame College is. And then the duplex is here in California. That was the house hack duplex. (laughs) So we moved around a little bit and we have different properties in different markets. And those markets have different benefits to them. So the Northern Indiana market is a lot more cash flow based, whereas the Florida market we like for the cash flow, but also a lot of appreciation. And you were local to those markets when you bought those properties? No, we've always been here in California. So we started with the duplex here in California, and then we just went out of state just to invest in those properties, but we actually have not lived there ever or anything like that. Gotcha. And all four of those properties, well, sorry, the two single families and the fourplex in Jacksonville and South Bend, you bought them all distressed and you did like the classic David Green wrote a book about Burr, get your contractors and everything. Yeah. Two of those we did were distressed. The first one that we did out of state was the fourplex. So that one was in Jacksonville, Florida, and we did about $130,000 rehab on it. My partner is a general contractor here in the area. So he has that experience and he basically managed the rehab portion from afar. And we focus on just getting that done. And there was a lot of learning involved with that, but it was really awesome. And now it's doing really well. And the other single family property was also distressed, kind of a heavy value add property. And that one was much smaller of a rehab compared to the fourplex, but It was something that we were able to do much quicker because we had the experience by then. And then the other single family property actually wasn't really distressed. It didn't really need a lot of work, just a couple of repairs to get it up and running and get it rented. That one, we actually did a joint venture on. So it was slightly different in that the person that we did the joint venture with wanted to be focused on cash flow and not so much capturing that additional value in the deal. So we wanted to align his interests with our own. Ours was to join forces with him to be able to buy this property and his was to have passive cash flow. So that one was more of a straight buy and hold, not our usual, but it was a good deal as well. <laughs> gotcha. You jumped from duplex to fourplex to a couple of single families and then almost 20x your property size into a 72 unit. Where is that? And when did you buy it? That was our goal. It was right after we read the 10x rule by Grant Cardone. So we were getting pretty fired up. (laughs) This 72 unit property is in Oklahoma City metro area. So it's in a really, really good area. It's about 20 minutes from the downtown. And it is another distressed property that we're currently working on. We bought it in September of last year, so of 2022. And that one we did in a syndication model. So you bought it about six months ago. When you say 
distressed or deep value add specific to the 72 unit? What did that mean when you bought it? This property, it's a very heavy lift and it's very focused on a lot of CapEx improvements to get it to the point where we can be charging market rent and bring it to what the value of the property could be. So there's a lot of potential for this property, but it needs a lot of work to get to that point. So with a heavy value add or distressed property, there's a lot of upfront capital that you have to raise in addition to the purchase price and all the other costs that go along with that so that you can get started right away on fixing it up and improving it so that you can receive the profits that you project. So for this property, we focused on a couple different things. We replaced the management that was in place when we originally purchased the property. What was occupancy like when you bought it? Occupancy when we bought it was 78%. So is that physical or economic? I think it was economic. I'd have to go back and check to make sure, but I think it was economic. So it was low compared to what a lot of investors in multifamily are comfortable with purchasing, especially if they're not looking at value-add properties and things like that, or heavy value-add properties. Usually if they're looking at higher numbers than that and better rates, but we just saw a lot of opportunity in this particular location that it was in. And also the competition around this property, the other properties that were similar were in similar shape, but there was one property that had been updated and had basically had their value add completed and was performing really, really well. So we saw that we could capitalize on that as well and come in and be one of the best options in the market for tenants, the nicest option and receive really good rents for that asset class. I guess I should say the nicest option for a class B type of property. So we're basically bringing it from a class C to a class B. Gotcha. Alex, at the time that we're recording, you've had about six months since you acquired the property. Tell us about the progress that you've made and what is left to do. It's been a really good journey. We've been staying on track, on budget with everything, with all of our projections that we originally projected. So, so far... Our first objective, of course, was to get the new management in place and bring somebody onto the site that could be there every business day during business hours. The old management wasn't there during business hours every day. So there were a lot of issues with vacancy and those things coming up because the tenants didn't have as good of access to a property manager and no one was on site to just make sure things were going smoothly. So we brought in someone that was on site all the time during business hours, at least. And that has dramatically improved, one, the quality of life for the tenants. They're really a lot happier with that. And then it has also just improved getting work orders done and things like that. So that was the first thing that we did immediately. After that, we started renovating interiors of units. There were a lot of units that were down just because they didn't have properly working AC units or the boiler was out or something like that, where it was just some type of CapEx item needed to be replaced in order to get it to a point where it would be livable. So we immediately started on those units. So as of last month, we had 19 units that were completed with the interior renovation side of things. 
and they look significantly nicer and they're renting for market rate and the tenants are very happy with that. In addition, we're going to start in the next month or so doing the exterior rehab portion of the building. Some of the exterior things that we've done so far are we've replaced the windows in all of the units. We're also going to be working on some more exterior improvements in the future in the next month or so. So that includes improving the outside appeal and look of the property. It has a very 70s look because that's when it was built. So we're going to be fixing that and redoing all of the outsiding to make it more updated and look more desirable to a tenant for today's times. (laughs) I want to transition the conversation, but first I do want to ask as a deep value add or distressed investor myself, why is it that you chose to renovate down the units first and then do your exterior capex? We chose to do it that way because the exterior renovations were going to take a certain amount of time. And in that area, it tends to have snow and other unpleasant weather during the winter, which would have slowed things down and caused issues with that portion of the rehab. So we felt that it would be best to wait until that portion of the year is passed so that we can start on those things. Additionally, looking at it from a bottom line perspective, if we can turn some of those units, get those interiors done, we can get some of those units up and running and improve that occupancy and the NOI of the property sooner Usually our main goal is to get that going faster and then continue with the rehab that we need to complete. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. So seasonality and the weather and the changing of the seasons, it sounds like had a lot to do with it that you wanted your labor focused on the indoors while it was cold outside effectively and now that it's warming up again you can get back to doing that exterior work yeah exactly that makes a lot of sense all things considered and i think it's really helpful for our listeners to hear you say that alex because where i was going with my question was i'm going to be crass because i can't think of a better way to put it do you decide to renovate the units while the building looks ugly and you can't push rents so that you can get your economic occupancy up, but at the lower rents? Or do you go ahead and do the exterior capex, make the building such that it is a nicer place to live that commands higher market rents, raise rents on your current tenants, and then turn your focus to the apartments? 
Well, the winter has something to say about that. There's only so much <laughs> landscaping you can do when there's snow on the ground. So I can sit in the hypothetical world as long as I want, but then I eventually you have to come to grips with the fact that it's December and January and there's only so much that you can do. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. I also think that it can depend a bit on the class of property that you are renovating to a degree. Obviously, if it's looking really terrible, then you probably should see what you can do about making it look nicer ASAP. But when you're looking at a class C property that you're bringing to a class B versus a class B to a class A, there can be a little bit of, I guess, a differentiator between the type of tenant and what they're looking for. Maybe they're looking more for affordability when they're at a class C or class B. Maybe they're more working class versus class A. They're looking for probably a lot more of the best and the nicest amenities and those kinds of things right away. So sometimes it can make sense to start with the interior and then make the outside look nice a little bit later, at least from that perspective. But I do agree with you on that. It's nice to be able to have the whole package look nice by the time you are able to present it to new residents. Alex, the best ever listeners are very (laughs) familiar with the value add apartment business plan where you're buying a property that has some cash flow currently, but gives you the opportunity to drive up the NOI, increasing income, reducing expenses, what have you, and the types of returns that are available, five-year hold period, IRR in the teens somewhere, a preferred cash on cash return that can ideally start day one because you have some cash flows in place. I imagine that was not the way that you pitched this property in Oklahoma City. Let me say I'm on team Alex Kingman here. My first ever really commercial multifamily, I bought at 38% economic occupancy. So I understand how much appreciation can be forced and what that does to an asset over time, especially your cash flow, assuming that you can buy it at the appropriate discount. I need to ask two questions in tandem here, Alex. What is it that attracts you to these properties that have a heavier lift and frankly, higher risk up front. And then what is it that compels your investors to invest in a property like this as opposed to a more stable, quote unquote, lower risk value add syndication? That's a great question because there are a lot of investors who are focused on less heavy lifts and there are good reasons for doing it that way. And there are good reasons for investing in heavy lifts as well. We really like heavy lift properties and distressed properties because that is where we have always been able to provide the most value for ourselves and also for our investors. That's where we have experience. Even our very first property, the duplex house hack, we did a pretty extensive rehab on and we've always been focus on those types of properties. So that's where our area of expertise lies. And that's what we enjoy. We like finding those ugly properties and that's what gets us excited. So we like to follow that and focus on what we really are the best at. When it comes to investors, typically it comes down to what their capital goals are and what their goals are with their investing. So a lot of times when we are talking to investors or potential investors, we're asking them up front, what's your why for investing? Why are you looking at these kinds of properties? Are these the right properties for your goals? What are your financial goals with your investing capital? Because 
typically if you are looking at heavy value added properties like this, it's because you're trying to grow your wealth quickly versus having consistent monthly or quarterly cash flow. And that's a big difference. And it can make a big difference in the way that you are investing, really. So if your goal is to have consistent cash flow to live on every single month, then probably a class A or very light value add type property would be a better option for those types of investors that are looking to meet those goals. But with a property like this, sometimes we actually get even a lot of younger investors because they're looking to grow their wealth quickly and they're not necessarily looking for a consistent paycheck yet on their wealth. A lot of times they'll put their capital into deals like this and then take those profits and continue to grow them quickly so that they can then eventually put those profits into cash flowing assets at that point. So a lot of times we see that the goals of the investors make a huge difference on what it is that they're specifically focused on. Sometimes they want a little bit of both or some diversification. They want cash flow on some deals and more of an appreciation play on others. So it can really be beneficial to consider what your goals are and then how you're looking to get there and how each different strategy that's out there can help you get to those goals. That makes a lot of sense. Alex, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. (laughs) What is the best ever book you recently read? I would say I did just reread the 10X Rule by Grant Cardone, and it always does get me pretty fired up and excited for what's next in my life. What is your best ever way to give back? I really enjoy helping others and teaching them things that have had a huge impact in my own life, whether that's in health and wellness or in investing. Those are usually my two top areas that I like to help people with and help others improve on in their own lives. Thus far, Alex, and let's stick with the 72 unit that you've been working with for the last six months. What is the biggest mistake you've made thus far and the best ever lesson that has resulted from it? Specifically on the 72 unit? Yes. I can think of mistakes on our smaller properties for sure. The 72 unit, I think the biggest mistake that we made on that property, so far everything has gone pretty smoothly on that property, but I'd say personally, the biggest mistake from our company's point of view would be we had a pretty small investor base to start. So it took longer than we originally expected to to raise the capital for the deal. It's a great deal, but it just took a little bit longer because we had only a couple hundred investors who were looking at the deal. So I'd say it was a good learning curve for us to learn how to grow our investor base and to be able to learn how to provide more value to potential investors as well. On that note, Alex, what is your best ever advice? My best ever advice actually is a little bit more of a life advice lesson. I think there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are actively in the real estate space and actively hustling out there. And When I think about everybody in the space, I know that everyone's working really, really hard, myself included. So the thing that I've found that's been the most beneficial to me in my life is to keep a good amount 
of time to spend just with myself and time to relax and rejuvenate so that I can come back and hit it just as hard the next day. And I guess what I'm saying is that when you're in your flow zone and you're in the zone where you know you're doing your best, that's when you're going to have the best results. That's when things are going to start coming together for you a lot more. And that is when you're most likely to have luck as well. So if you're focusing on the things that put you into that space mentally, physically, emotionally, then you're going to see those results come a lot better. Your life and work will probably feel a lot more like it's flowing well, and you're going to enjoy it a lot more as well. So if that's what I've experienced, then that would be what I hope others can experience as well. Last question, where can people get in touch with you? I'm on most social media platforms, but if anyone would like to reach out to me directly or anything, you can just go to my website. That's probably the best place at investwithkgi.com. Those links are in the show notes. Alex, thank you. Best ever listeners. Thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend you know we can add value to through our conversation today. Thank you and have a best ever day. Thanks. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access. And you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.